The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. Wrestling to the Max SmackDown Review. Indeed, we are a presentation of the W2M Network, as this is your Wrestling to the Max SmackDown Live review. Hi, everybody. Remember me? I used to host this show a couple of weeks ago. My name is Harry Broadhurst. I want to thank Brandon Biskabing for filling in for me as the host last week. And this week, well, Brandon, we're going to go ahead and pour you a double. (laughs) Now I switch roles. Yes, now it's my job to run down the show and your job to discuss it. That's kind of what we do here. As this is, as I said, the Wrestling to the Max SmackDown Live review, I'm Harry Broadhurst. He is Brandon Biskabing. Unfortunately, my traditional co-host, Miss Liz Puglisi, had some technical difficulties on her end, by which I mean her wifey wasn't working. Wifey? That makes (laughs) sense. Let's go with it. It's funny to me. And so Brandon has optimistically... Agreed to fill in. What was that? I'm going to assume that that was our producer's phone that went off and you guys at home didn't hear it. I'm pretty sure that was him having some things go off on his own and then immediately muting his uh, mic. It's okay. It happens. We still like you, Sean, most of the time, no matter what anybody else says. So what do you say we get into this episode of SmackDown here, Brandon? Let's do it. All right. Before we do Before we do, so did you watch Clash of Champions? Yes, I did. What were your overall takeaways from the show before we get into SmackDown since it was a SmackDown-specific pay-per-view? I mean, it was a pretty good show. Um, Obviously, the biggest surprise and the biggest shock of the night was Dolph Ziggler winning the U.S. championship, which we'll get into later on with this. And if if what it seems like is happening is happening, then it's just a giant middle finger to Baron Corbin again. But we'll get to that when we get to it. Um, But... Beyond that, I mean, everything seemed to um, go pretty much as everyone expected it to. Um, Nothing really too over the top. The one thing that I was surprised that we did not hear huge roars of, oh my god, they actually did it um, throughout the the, um, smart community is that Daniel Bryan, while it wasn't a full bump, he did kind of take a bump with Kevin Owens pushing him into Shane McMahon. So uh, I was surprised that there wasn't this huge of, oh my god, he's cleared, huzzah! But, you know. (laughs) I uh, popped for the huzzah. (laughs) Uh, But beyond that, I mean, it it was a good pay-per-view. I certainly liked it. Um... But nothing, you know, over-the-top amazing happened. You know what I kind of come to realize as we've 
to been doing more and more of these shows here, and specifically after SmackDown exclusive pay-per-views. For some odd reason, the pay-per-views are adequate, whereas traditionally the episodes of SmackDown where they have the big shows are much better than their pay-per-views. I don't know if it's that they don't know how to extend to three hours without watering down the show, or if it's a case of the booking at the pay-per-views hurting the show. I actually thought uh, Sunday night's pay-per-view was a little bit of a disappointment, in my opinion. The women's lumberjack match was garbage. The mm-hmm. the tag team match between Brian or between Nakamura and Orton against uh, Zayn and Owens was the Shane and Daniel Bryan show, which completely took away from the talent in the ring. Jinder well, Mahal, we knew that we knew yeah. that that was going to happen going into it, so it's no, not like that was something that was surprising. No, and I don't disagree with that. But at the same time, still, when you have th- – as I because I did the review – I did the typed review uh, – the typed preview for the W2M Net, pre- W2M Net preview of the show, the, the uh, written article on the show. And I actually said that it's three of the best on SmackDown, and when Orton's motivated, four of the best on SmackDown, and yet they put them in a situation where their talents weren't able to shine through because the storytelling overtook the talent in the match. But, I mean, that's going to happen in some matches. I mean, you know, going back, you know, I mean, going back to basically any special guest referee match, you're going to have that where the storytelling is going to overtake the the match quality. Scale of 1 to 10, what would you give the show? I'd give it a... I'll give it a 7.5. Um, you know, there were some... I mean, it it wasn't a bad pay-per-view. You got the whole... You know, you got basically what you were expecting with uh, the Shane and Daniel... You know, with the KO, KO and Sammy versus uh, Oren and, and Nakamura match. Um, you got the nice surprise of... Ziggler winning, you know, that was a good solid match and you got that big surprise of Ziggler winning, which no one expected. Um, and then beyond that, the mat, the, the rest of the matches, I mean, like, like you said, the, the lumberjack match was, was mediocre at, at best, but you kind of expected with it being a lumberjack match that they were going to overshadow what was going on in the ring. Uh, so you didn't expect anything super crazy there. Um, you know, the the AJ versus Jinder match was what you ex- what you would have expected and hopefully this is the the end of it and they move on to something else with AJ. Um and then beyond that, you know, it was basically just, you know, every match with the exception of the uh, triple threat for the U.S. title went the way you expected it to. All right, so we spent a lot of our time talking about – before we get into SmackDown here, just real quick, I forgot to give my score. Um, I actually had it closer to about a five and a half, maybe six. I just – I thought that – I thought that for a card that had a lot of potential on paper, it underdelivered, in my opinion. And we'll go ahead and get into more specific, more specific uh, expect examples of that tonight on SmackDown as well, because I feel like there were a couple of things that bled over from 
class of champions into SmackDown tonight that kind of caused SmackDown to underperform as well. So let's go ahead and get into the show. And you'll notice that we spent most of the time talking about Clash of Champions, focusing on one specific match, that being KO and Sammy against Orton and Shinsuke. And sure enough, Daniel Bryan opens the show for SmackDown this week, and he comes out and he talks about the show that he has planned for us tonight before he's interrupted by Shane McMahon. Shane McMahon comes out, and then they discuss what happened in the tag team match there, and Shane openly admits the reasoning for his hesitation on his three count, which, while as a babyface, you may kind of think that it's weird that he would do so. From a logical standpoint, it kind of makes sense that he would think about all of the times that Kevin and Sammy have screwed him, screwed his family, screwed the show that he's working for, and he wanted to stick it to them. In my opinion... Well, it makes sense... It, it makes ahead. sense for on a baby space level that he would explain it. A heel would not explain themselves. <laughs> Apologize. And uh, the justification that he had for it actually kind of makes sense, too, from a logistical standpoint of the fact of Sammy and Kev- uh, Kevin attacking his father, Sammy pulling Kevin out of the way of his elbow at Hell in a Cell, them screwing Team SmackDown during the course of the Survivor Series. So it all made sense there. But at the same time, Brian was excellent in this promo, I thought, because he brought up the fact that Shane is going to turn into his father or even scarier, and he didn't specifically say this, turn into his sister because he he mentioned something along the lines of the authority there. Yeah, uh, that, that whole thing with him mentioning Shane turning into Vince didn't make sense for me. It would have made more sense for him to say that he was turning into Stephanie because he specifically used Stephanie's own line of it's best for business. Right. The So are you saying I should have done what was best for business? Because I spent the better part of a year and a half fighting against what people thought was best yeah. for business. Exactly. So, yeah, I was waiting for the Stephanie comparison there as well, but apparently Stephanie's this super huge baby face now that she's announced the women's royal. And don't get me started on that. Oh, we're we're going to talk about this later. Trust me. Anyway, back to the segment itself here. Brian outright tells him that if that's how it's going to be on SmackDown, then if Shane McMahon wants to fire anybody, he should fire Brand uh, Brian. I said Brandon because of my co-host. I'm. <laughs> Special. He should fire Brian. Shane then wishes Brian luck on the show and exits the ring. Um, Shane, you're there for the show too, buddy. Why are you wishing him luck since it's your show as well? Regardless, I guess it was basically. I guess that was basically him just saying, "Washing you know, his I'm not going to fire you, but, but it, it was basically him saying, "I'm not going to fire you, but you know, I'm not going to have any part in what you're going to do now." So basically, he was washing his hands of the situation. Exactly. I'd like to believe that that's true, but history with Shane has told us that it's not. So we'll see what happens going forward. Overall, what did you think of the segment to start the show? I mean, I, li- I like the segment. You, I mean, this is what you would expect. I, I like the whole while, like I said before, the comparison would have been much better to compare him to Stephanie over Vince, because he was using very much Stephanie-type language in in his promo, um, but overall, it's good. It, it's a good promo. It's it's continuing that whole conflict both within Shane 
end between Daniel and Shane, um, where Shane is kind of starting to go down this darker path, even though he's going up, he he's doing this against heels. So it'll be interesting to see how they go about it moving forward. Yeah, I don't feel like necessarily this was the start of a heel turn for either of them, but I feel like it's something that could eventually lead to a heel turn for one of them. I mean, I think if anything, we're going to either get, because like the, the thing about this one is that, and, and it was kind of funny last week, uh, talking about it and i mentioned it on the review last week um you know this is one of those feuds and maybe it's because i'm a huge sammy and ko fan and daniel bryan fan but like it's not very distinctive face heel you know you can pick your side pretty much on this one and i don't think anyone you know maybe on a traditionalist level because dot because Brian is siding with KO and Sammy more so, while not distinctively, he is definitely more balanced and, and fair than uh, than Chain is right now. But, like, if anyone's going to turn at all, it would be Daniel, I guess. Um, but it was kind of funny last week, like, Byron Saxton, like, trying to insinuate that Daniel's going to do something against, you know, do something for Kevin and Sammy when there was no indication of that to begin with, and it was kind of making Byron look like an idiot. In in fairness, Byron does a good enough job of that on his own. Well, yes, but, like, you know, the... And, and, and maybe this is, you know, maybe this is just a much more distinctive example of it, but maybe this is the problem that WWE is having with their faces and heels, where the faces are just being complete idiots. I just, my issue with that, specifically Byron Saxton's, Byron Saxton's comments last week on SmackDown Live, and even to an extent his comments at the pay-per-view as well, is that Corey called him out on his crap. Corey basically yeah. said the only reason and he was kind of mocking By- Byron as he said it is I'm going to go with what Shane McMahon says because Shane's my boss. Well, yeah, it was calling him out for being, you know, pretty much a company stooge, which ironically and, you know, it, it's kind of funny seeing the roles reversed for once is that, you know, on a pure alignment level you know, Shane and Byron are supposed to be the faces right now, but if you really think about it in a thematic seg in a thematic way, you know, most of the time the company guys are the heels. In you know, as history has shown us time and time again in WWE especially. So, you know, it's kind of weird seeing those roles reverse, and maybe that's why it feels so strange and they and they feel so disingenuous because, you know, it just doesn't work. We'll talk more about the interactions between these four gentlemen and 
between Shane, Daniel, Kevin, and Sammy a little bit later on because there is a backstage segment that we do need to talk about before our six-man tag main event, but it is time to move on to our first contest. And that features the Usos in a non-title match against Shelton Benjamin and Chad Gable. And anything long-time wrestling fans know, non-title match usually means champs are going to lose. Sure enough, the team of Benjamin and Gable pick up yet another victory over the Usos as Shelton Benjamin pins Jimmy... I think maybe uh, it was on Jay. I'm glad you can tell them apart because I sure can't. Well, no, I'm just looking at the uh, review on Cage side, so that's the only reason why I know this. With their power bomb clothesline combination. Um, first of all, Chad Gable's chaos theory may be the prettiest move in the WWE right now. <laughs> Second of all, you know what? I'd like to say I'm upset about this, but frankly, I don't think I am. And the reason I say that is I feel like if these guys are given enough time on possibly the New Year's Week episode of SmackDown or maybe an episode of SmackDown right before the Royal Rumble, these four gentlemen can tear the house down for the tag team titles. So I have no issues with this. Yeah, I mean, this is what we expected to see at Clash of Champions, and then they suddenly tossed in New Day and and Rusev Day. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think this is the the way that they're planning on going. It it's still Gable and Benjamin just feel. I mean, they're starting to grow on me, but they still feel very forced to me. You know, um, where it's- it was just. It, it feels just like, like Gable. It feels like Gable is the Charlie to Shelton. Shelton. Pretty much. Well, no, I would honestly kind of say the reverse, where Shelton is Gable's Jordan to you know uh, Gable's Gable. Jason, where it's, Jason Jordan wishes he had Shelton's charisma. I'll I mean, agree with that on a charisma level, but it just feels. To me, anyway, that this is basically just American Alpha 2.0. Well, the name that I coined for them a couple of weeks ago here on the the SmackDown Live review is America's Greatest Tag Team. Yeah. And I feel like that works. But at the same time, though, if they keep laying out a body of work such as tonight's match against the Usos, I'm not going to complain. Oh, no, I'm not going to complain either, but I'm just saying it's going to take a little while for it not to just feel like, oh, this is, you know, uh, I forget if it was Shane or Daniel, do you know, doing Gable a favor after Did. Kurt stole his his partner by calling up one of their buddies and, and giving him a new tag team partner. It was Daniel, but yes. Okay, I- it was Daniel. I understand where you're coming from with that as well. That does make sense. All right. Um, entertainment rating, one to five. What do you give it? Uh, I'll give it a 3.5. You know, it was a pretty, it was a solid, um, you know, it was a solid match. Like you said, you know, with this kind of match and especially with, you know, what they've been saying about it, you, you expected Gable and, and Shelton to win this match. Uh, you know, those, all four are, all four of those guys are very good in the ring. So, you know, you get a good match no matter what's going on with them. Um, 
a few nice spots with them, you know, multiple roll-ups and, and all of that. Um, so, you know, it was, it was a solid match. Three and a half sounds about right to me as well. I mean, this isn't a star. Let's let's clarify for the record. This is not a star rating. This is an entertainment rating. Two completely different things. Anywho, we move on. The Queen graces us with her presence now as Charlotte Flair talks about how Stephanie McMahon has once again helped us in the women. No, stop. <laughs> Stephanie is a baby face when it's convenient for Stephanie and when she wants positive publicity and when she's not there to cut someone's balls off. No, I mean to be fair, they. Uh, I mean to be fair, while it's different, you know, it, at least in WWE, you know, nomenclature and the way they handle it, it's basically a completely different universe. But you know, they do the same thing with Triple H. Yes, in NXT, but at the same time, Triple H is established as the founding father of NXT. Stephanie is more or less a gigantic biatch on the main roster. No, I agree with you there, but from the beginning when they first started this whole concept of the women's revolution and they came out with the new title and all of that, she has been at the forefront of it. You know what I say to that? I say... Oh, I agree with that. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here. Okay, um... Charlotte's interrupted by Naomi, which I thought was interesting here because those two having a singles match for the women's title on SmackDown or and or pay-per-view, dun-dun-dun, would make for a very interesting situation in my opinion. I feel like there, even if you didn't necessarily have to separate a face-heel dynamic for that match there, that might be your best available match on SmackDown outside of Charlotte and Becky one-on-one. Oh yeah, definitely. And this is not to take anything away from Ruby Riot because I feel like Ruby Riot will eventually develop into a place where she's in that position where she's able to hang with the bigger names on in the SmackDown Live Women's Division, but she's not quite there yet. I mean, on a pure talent level, I would say she's there. I think it's more of she just needs to get her foot, her, her feet underneath her more on the main roster. Characterization and overall booking, I think, will play a factor as far as where and how high Ruby Riot can climb, because I think she'll get there eventually. All right. Speaking of Ruby Riot, the Riot Squad interrupts the love fest between Charlotte and Naomi, where they were talking about facing each other for the belt at Mania. And Naomi calls them chicken heads, which I'm going to go ahead and let you use Urban Dictionary to look up. Needless to say, somebody's getting fired in the PG era. <laughs> It turns into a two-on-two tag match after the commercial break. Seriously? Chicken heads? That got cleared? Really? (laughs) Okay. Moving on, we come back and we see that it is Sarah Logan and Ruby Riot representing the Riot Squad. And Charlotte and Naomi win. In about three minutes. Shown. Um, why? Someone give me one good reason why. (laughs) Go ahead. I'm waiting. I'm trying to figure out one, but I mean, I guess the only thing I can think of is because they're trying to push this whole thing with the, the, uh, women's Royal Rumble and they wanted one of the, uh, you know, one of the older, more established, you know, two of the older, more established women to win it. 
to start, you know, getting that momentum up towards it. But at the same time, you could have easily done it reversed where, you know, Riot and Logan won and then them grabbing the mic and saying all three of us are entering our names in. And just as importantly to me, another way to establish the fact that you wanted to have um, Naomi as a clear and present danger for the Royal Rumble matches, you don't put a loss on the Riot Squad already. You have the Riot Squad win, they attempt a post-match beatdown, and Naomi throws them over the top rope. Yeah. Well, because- could have done something similar where, you know, to to protect both sides, you could have had... Um, uh, What's her name? Um, the third. Liv. What? Oh yeah, Liv Morgan. Liv Morgan coming in and you're, you know, attacking them from ringside, and it being a DQ finish. You're you're from Jersey, Brandon. You should know this stuff. I know. I know. I drove a blank. Bad Jersey, Brandon. <laughs> um, Rusev Claus episode over. Oh wait, we forgot to give our entertainment rating to that last match. Stop, rewind. Claus Rusev, show over. Okay, back back to the previous match. Uh, entertainment rating, one to five. Or zero uh, to five. What? Entertainment rating, scale of zero to five. Um, uh, I'll give it a two and a half. I'll be nice. That's way too high. I'm at about a one. <laughs> and specifically... Hey, I'll, I'll, I'll admit I'm biased because I like... Charlotte and Naomi over uh, Sarah Logan, so um, I I liked seeing them win. I I agree that it doesn't make sense, but a, as being a mark here, I'll uh, I'll, uh, I'll 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 allow it. Yes, exactly. All right, back to um. Like I said, I gave it a one. It doesn't make any sense from the story that they were telling with the Riot Squad. It would make more sense, like you said, if Liv would have came in and caused a disqualification. And you could have just as easily had Naomi get her heat back after the match by pitching them over the top to the floor to give a preview of what's going to happen. Because, so help me God, if this Women's Royal Rumble is through the ropes instead of strictly over the top rope, I'm boycotting the damn match. Oh, oh of course. Of course. All right, we but move on. Um, they've moved away from that in NXT when they've been doing Bella. I, I agree, but at the same time, there are a couple of women on the main roster right now who I would not trust to take a bump over the top rope. Alicia <laughs> <Lisa> Fox! <coughs> Sorry, I'm going to have to get that cough checked out. It's been plaguing me for weeks. Um. Okay, now back to where we were. Rusev Claus, show over. We're done here. Have a good night, everybody. <laughs> And did you hear the pop for Rusev Claus? Oh yeah. Like I get that I get that New Day are supposed to be super super duper over baby faces of the world on SmackDown. Uh, no. Right now, the most popular man on SmackDown's name is Rusev. Oh yeah. Well, did you hear the pop that they were getting during the match in at Clash of Champions? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm just saying, if they don't take advantage of this here, and I know there's probably some big grand scheme here, but you could just as easily have the Usos take the tag title, or have, excuse me, Gable and Benjamin take the tag titles off of the Usos, have Aiden English and Rusev as babyfaces challenging Gable and Benjamin. Book it. I just have a, I just have a feeling with um, how Rusev has been used in the past that this is not going to end well. 
Well, yeah. Unfortunately, history tells us that anything fun involving Rusev doesn't last for long. Yeah. Although I will say the thought of 10 llamas leaping does make me smile. <laughs> All right. Also, Biggie did kind of pop me with the, you done flap the wrong jacks, sucker. <laughs> well, just seeing bit big elf was great. I feel like one of these days they're going to be sitting around watching a USA re-airing of the movie elf. <laughs> Like, I feel like this is going to happen, whether we want it to or not. Anyways, words get exchanged, matches get made. We'll talk about that more later. <laughs> Dolph Ziggler's U.S. title celebration. Um, Yeah, so much for that. We get the career highlights of Dolph Ziggler, and then we get Dolph Ziggler apparently losing his spot. Oh, wait, nope, that was a different blonde-haired guy. Hold on. Hold on. I know there's a way to describe this. Give me a second. Now losing his smile appears to basically accurately sum it up. Um, my assumption is that Ziggler's contract is officially up, and this was one for the road. Your thoughts on that if this is the case? If this is the case, I get that they were, I guess, trying to give him you know, a, a grand finale out. But again, you're you're destroying two of your you know who should two who should be two of your top guys moving forward, at, just to have a sending off for Ziggler. I I mean, if that is the case, they could have at least done something where you know. Corbin attacks him or something and then comes out and grabs his title back afterwards. Or, or you, you could have done something more with this where it's not just, you know, a farewell to Ziggler and then, you know, nothing. And now we've got the U.S. title up in the air. It, it just it, do, it doesn't it doesn't make sense in the long term. Do you think this is the end for Dolph Ziggler or do you think this is part of some bigger play down the road? I mean, I'm hoping that it's part of a bigger play down the road, but just with the way the way they were handling it with them showing all of his highlights and all of this, um, I mean, granted, I haven't seen any rumors to, you know, saying that he had, that his contract was up or anything and that, you know, he was considering not signing, um, re-signing again. Um but I wouldn't be surprised either way. Let's just put it that way. We'll have to end up seeing where this goes when it comes to Ziggler because obviously there are other other lines to explore with him and there are other lines to explore with the U.S. title here. Obviously, we're probably going to have to wait for SmackDown next week. And rather or not, I'm here to review that. Rather or not, Brandon's here to review that is kind of all speculatory. Stay tuned for more updates. That's all I can say in that regard. In the back, Daniel Bryan's on the phone with somebody because apparently he's turning more and more into Kurt Angle every week on this show. When Sammy and Kevin Owens arrive with a bottle of champagne to thank him for their part in helping screw Orton with Sammy Zayn's pinfall victory via quick count on Orton with a roll-up. Bryan calls him delusional and threatens to fire them. Um, okay, so 
This is where I said we were going to kind of touch on this a little bit later here. I still feel like this was kind of a red herring, though. I still feel like we're eventually going to see Brian kind of somewhat aligned with Owens and Zayn, especially if Shane McMahon's vendetta against them continues. Yeah, I think this is, um, you know, I mean, Brian, I think I think the theme here is going to be that Brian does not like them by any stretch of the imagination based on how they're acting. He does not like how they're acting and 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 their, uh, you know, their cockiness and, and all of that. But he's of the mentality, you know, it's it's a lot. I feel like this is a lot like the AJ versus Cena feud where it's WWE versus Indies, you know, and, and Daniel, because he knows what they've been through and all of that, that he's going to align himself more with him than a McMahon that he feels is, is getting too power hungry and, and is becoming like his sister, you know, and he's, he's having flashbacks of, you know, what Stephanie did and Steph, well, Stephanie and Triple H did to him back in 2013. So I think that's where this is kind of going, where Brian isn't really going to be aligned with them per se. It's basically more of like, you know, I won't even really say the enemy of my enemy is my friend because, you know, he's not going to be enemies with, with, chain but he's just gonna he's gonna want to protect ko and sammy from you know him thinking that K, that uh that chain is getting too power hungry see i think it will come down to a case of the enemy of my enemies my friend though i feel like specifically it's going to come down to the point where it's eventually going to turn even more physical between brian and shane and that to to maybe in an extent of possibly having Brian pick a guy and Shane pick a guy and then them fighting over control of SmackDown down the road. Mm-hmm. Well, that is if Brian doesn't get cleared. If he does get cleared, um, that they could actually do it themselves. But if not, I could totally see them doing that as well. Yeah, I've kind of given up on the Brian getting cleared pipe dream. Well, with the like I said, I was shocked that we didn't get a ton of you know people saying, "Oh my God, is he cleared after the the bump on on at Clash of Champions?" But you know, the the more and more they push this, and I don't know if you saw on Twitter, but there was a whole Twitter exchange with Brian and Shinsuke, and WWE even was promoting it. So like, I think there there's something going on here that I think it's much less of a pipe dream now than it ever was before. Apologies, technical difficulties over here. I'm good now. All right, we move on with, as you mentioned earlier, New Day versus Rusev Day. So you're telling me that because Christmas is next week, we have to have all four, of the, all five of these guys dressed up in ridiculous costumes and the big payoff is Aiden English going face first into a pile of pancakes. <laughs> well, if that doesn't scream lowest common denominator. <laughs> I mean, this is since I guess they didn't want, you know, because 
basically once a holiday ends, they just completely forget about it in WWE. They didn't want to do any Christmas-based stuff on the SmackDown after Christmas. So this was basically SmackDown's Christmas episode, and this was the Christmas match, pretty much. I mean, yeah, I get that, and it makes sense. But at the same time, there is this something that we really needed to see, specifically with his popular of a reaction that we're getting for people for Rusev and English. Is this something that we needed? But that's, but I think, but see, that's why I'm saying that this isn't going to turn out the way everyone wants it to. This is a this is a situation. Um, I would describe this. The best way I could describe this as is it's Damian Mizdow, where he was completely over with the fans. You know, everyone loved him, um, but but Vince and, and Co. did not like him whatsoever, so he never got any push whatsoever. I think that's going to be the same situation with this. They may keep the whole Rusev Day tag team going on for a while, just because of the fans, but I don't think they're actually going to get anything out of it because Vince still wants to keep Rusev as, you know, a lower mid-card jobber foreign heel. Yeah, it's sad that it's such it's such the case of the antiquated foreign heel in the WWE when there is so clearly a big portion of their audience that wants to cheer for the guy. Oh, I agree with that, but I'm just say- I'm just telling you how it's gonna go. All right, uh, match entertainment value scale of zero to five. I I I know you didn't like it, but I I, I like the corny stuff at times. Um, I'll give it a three. It, it was decent. It wasn't great, you know. It, it was your prototypical Halloween edition. You know, not it wasn't a gimmick match, but you know they did they did some gimmicky stuff on it, and you know it was fun. I just like I don't want to sound like that Christmas Grinch, the old fuddy duddy here. I just maybe it's because my hopes and my expectations for Rusev and English as a tag team are so much higher than this. You need to lower those expectations, dude. <sighs> Sad. You have to stick with we. You have to stick to Rusev uh, on up, up, down, down for him actually being uh, liked and entertaining. I'm gonna give the match a two because I thought it was better than the women's tag match, but not nearly as good as the opener. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there. I'm telling you, maybe it's just because I'm a Grinch tonight. <laughs> All right. Main events, a six-man tag match or rematch from Tribute to the Troops, which I did not watch. So this match was new to me. I saw it. Uh, so. AJ Styles, Randy Orton, Shinsuke Nakamura take on Jinder Mahal, Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn. We see the pinfall finish as Nakamura gets the pinfall on Sami Zayn with Kinshasa. I made a bold prediction about this time, I would say probably six months ago or so, right around the time of SummerSlam, a little bit before, that I thought that Shinsuke was going to win the Royal Rumble. 
This does nothing to change that opinion. I still think Shinsuke is going to win the Rumble, and we're going to get Styles and Nakamura at WrestleMania. I think that's pretty much a foregone conclusion at this point, because, you know, everyone knows that we're going to get Brock Reigns at Mania for the Universal title, but uh, unless Vince is completely out of his mind, there is no way that they're going to have Reigns win the Rumble again. Especially not in Philadelphia. No. Oh, hell no. Like, I feel like having Roman Reigns win the Rumble in Philadelphia again is just asking for that entire building to completely and utterly turn on the end of your show. Exactly. It didn't work with The Rock. It's not going to work. No. What were your thoughts on this match itself, though? I mean, it was a good match. It was It was a... Um... It was your sol- it was a very solid six man tag match. It was fun seeing um all three of them hit their uh finishers, you know, back to back to back at the end. Um it was kinda it you know, and you had the you know, Singh brothers try to run interference and uh Kyoto tosses them and then they try to come back in, uh but uh, Orin hits him with the DDT, um, and then you get the the triple finisher, which was fun. So it was a it was a solid match. Like like you said um, about the Clash of Champions match, this time you didn't have the distraction of uh, of um, AJ or not AJ of Shane and Daniel in the ring. So you had five of your top. Uh, you had five of your top workers and then Jinder Mahal in the same ring together. So, you know, it was a good, solid match, as you would expect with these guys. See, I would actually give Jinder credit. I thought he stepped his game up tremendously at Clash of Champions. I really I really enjoyed the match that he had with Styles at Clash of Champions. And I, I feel... He is definitely getting better. But he's not he's not a main event level talent, but he's a solid mid card guy now, Yes, yes. which is significantly more than could have been said about him at this time last year. Well, yeah, of course. But at the same time, no one at this point last year, if like you had said at this point last year that Jinder Mahal would suddenly win a six pack challenge and become world heavyweight champion, I would laugh my ass off at you. That's a fair assessment here. Um, as long as they took to fade out on SmackDown there, were you kind of waiting for Orton to RKO Styles? Somewhat, but on the flip side, I was honestly, because that would then lead to, you know, expectations of Orton versus Styles. I was honestly expecting maybe some sort of stare down or at least something between Styles and Nakamura. Maybe it's a little premature because, you know, they're probably saving that for Mania. But I it's gonna it, it's gonna be very interesting to see who Styles' uh challenger is gonna be because, you know, Orin I just don't I feel like he should be out of the title picture for a while. You know, you've got Sammy and KO with uh with their whole stuff with Shane still um, and then gender, I think, should be out of it completely for a while. What honestly, what I'd like to see, although maybe, although they're probably 
putting him back into the U.S. title picture is I wouldn't mind seeing Corbin move up and get a title shot. I don't think Corbin's there yet, but I think he'll get there next year. I think 2018, I think by the end of 2018, Baron Corbin will be a WWE SmackDown Heavyweight Champion. Uh, scale of 0 to 5 entertainment rating for this match. Um, I'll give it a 4. You know, had some good mo- had some good moments. Um, you know, obviously, like I said, some of the best workers in the company. So, you know, you had good match. Uh, you had ver- some very good moves uh, throughout the match, and then a fun segment or a fun sequence at the end, both with the Singh brothers and then you know the triple finisher. So it was an entertaining match. Yeah, I think that this salvaged this from being a very forgettable episode of SmackDown. Mm-hmm. I feel like this was a match here. I mean, don't get me wrong, Usos versus Gable and Benjamin was fun, but not yeah. anything you're going to remember come next Tuesday. Exactly. This match right here is the match that you'll remember come next Tuesday because of the <laughs> fact that we had the finish that we had with Nakamura standing tall in a match where AJ was involved as it begins the build to the, towards the Royal Rumble on January 28th. <clears throat> so I'm going to agree with you, actually. I'm going to give this match a four as well. And that'll officially wrap up our discussion for SmackDown here. Why don't we go ahead and slap a final rating on this bad boy here? Scale of one to ten. Uh... I'll give it a 6.5. You know, had some decent moments. You know, the, the main event was good. Um, you know, while it wasn't the greatest technical match in the world, I, you know, the, the New Day versus Rusev Day was was fun and funny. You know, it's what you expect for a Christmas-type episode. Um, and then overall, you know, the, the, the opening segment uh, was was entertaining and was interesting moving forward. The only really, you know, the, the women's match was a head scratcher. Um, the only really like downside, but I, but hopefully unless he is indeed gone and then I, who knows what will happen. The only really head scratcher moment was the whole Dolph Ziggler thing, but you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens there. You know, over the next couple of days, and if not, if we don't get any news on him uh, throughout the week, we'll have to wait until next week to find out what's going on with that. Yeah, I'm a little bit lower than you, but I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I disliked the New Day versus Rusev Day match significantly more than you did. So I'm around a six. Uh, the main event was fantastic. As I said, I really enjoyed the main event. The opening tag team match was very good. I enjoyed the Dolph Ziggler career retrospective. I'm not sure where the U.S. title goes from here. If Ziggler comes back, if... Sorry, again, plagued by technical difficulties over here. If Ziggler comes back, if, uh... If they do some kind of tournament, tournaments, bruh. <laughs> or if they end up going back to Rude and Corbin for the uh, U.S. title situation there. Yeah. So I'll, I'll be curious to see where they go with that. But at the same time, I kind of enjoyed the Dolph Ziggler career retrospective if this is the end for Ziggler because I feel like he's one of the more underrated talents they've had in oh, the company yeah. over the course of the last decade-ish. I mean, I, I liked it on that level as well because, you know, it brought back a lot of memories. It, it was weird hearing his old theme and seeing how he looked back in 2011. 
It was weird hearing the name AJ Lee mentioned on television as well. <laughs> oh, I didn't notice that one. He said with AJ and Big E. Oh. And then they actually said Alberto Del Rio's name too, and I was like, what? Well, yeah. Well, that one they probably couldn't avoid because, you know, he did cash in on him. So well, that one mention- was kind of unavoidable. Well, not to mention it was Del Rio losing too, so I'm sure exactly. they were okay so, with it. That was kind of a middle finger to Del Rio anyway. <laughs> yeah. Stuff it, Patron. Anywho. <laughs> So that's going to wrap it up for us here. Uh, If you want more information on anything related to the W2M network, by all means, feel free to join us online at W2Mnet.com. Hey, Brandon. Yeah. We got a 205 live review to do still here, but guess what? They can hear us tomorrow night here on the W2M network as well, can't they? Uh Uh-huh. Yes, they can for the kickoff. Myself, Brandon Biscabing, Eric Watkins, and maybe Stephen Err. We don't know on a week-to-week basis. <laughs> Just kidding, Stephen. We love you platonically. <laughs> so you can check out the kickoff here on the WTOM Network as well. This has Stephen been – better be there. Uh, his whole segment is coming to an end. It is, although there's big news in regards to that segment too. We'll just leave it there as a teaser, and we'll go from there. So for Brendan Biscoving, I'm Harry Broadhurst, thanking you for listening to the Wrestling to the Max SmackDown Live review here on the WTOM Network. We'll see you in a bit for 205 Live. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment.